Craft Beer Radio, episode 247 on May 4th, 2013. Welcome to Crafty Radio, where we've got night fever, night fever, and we don't have to show it. It's much better than this than the Star Wars song. 35 years ago today, this is the number one song. number one song 35 years ago. So yeah, we're not doing a, a dumb May 4th joke, so be thankful. May 4th joke? Yeah. Um, oh, you don't know? Today is Star Wars Day. Oh, oh, May the 4th. Yes. Uh, huh, huh. Hardy har. Mm-hmm. Hardy har. Let's get on to beer, shall we? Yes. Let's drink the first beer. And by first beer... You, I mean the first American craft beer. Yes. Or a replication of such beer. Got a case of New Albion Ale. I saw the beer distributor. I figured, let's let's do this thing. Let's go in for a whole case. And um, so we just watched a little video. You can go to x.co slash New Albion... And don't spell it wrong or you'll get a GoDaddy page like Greg did. Um, (laughs) A-L-B-I-O-N. The story behind this beer is back in 1976, the year that we were born. Look at that. That's another tie-in we have with craft beer. We're as old as craft beer. Okay. Um, There's a guy named Jack McAuliffe who started a brewery outside of Sonoma. First brewery opening like forever. And he was trying to open craft beer and no one got it. And the brewery didn't last. Last a few years i think i'm not sure exactly how long but it closed and after the trademark wasn't re-registered jim cook bought it up long 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 time ago and put it on the shelf he just didn't want well he wanted to own it as an entrepreneur but he also didn't want someone coming in with a some jerk to come and own it. Yeah. Either Anheuser-Busch or some other jerk, right? So he bought it and, make you know. Pabst, or make a paps Make yeah. a paps. Yeah. So, you ones. know, it's been on the shelf. And uh, they invited Jack out to the brewery in Boston. And they brewed a replication of new Albion Ale. You know, this, so this is like the first ale made in America, you know, in a long time. Right. Now, ales were not being made. And new Albion was making ale. Their goal was to make ales, porter, and stouts. I don't know if all of those were made in production or not. I'd have to get the uh, get the history books out. But this is the L. And, uh, you know, drinking this, you know, this is made to be the beer. And when I'm, like, looking at buying the case, I'm like, should I buy a whole case of this? Should I try it first? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I bought the case. But I had bought it knowing that a 2013 palette, craft beer palette, might not... yeah. This might seem like bland or nothing because palettes in 1976, 1977, you know, could f- be a lot more uh, tuned into just a touch of hops. There's not whatnot. much information available about this beer. Uh, I get any information I really get is either from that video or on Beer Advocate, they say it's 6%. As it, they call it American Pale Ale, it's, it's really uh, pretty, pretty straw colored. Doesn't yeah. really have the malty, you know, sort of the darker malt color that you it's, might expect. It's, it's golden with a step towards amber. It, it, I'd call it in there. Nice and clear. Poured with a moderate head, which has fallen down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, though, that this is obviously, they're probably using Sam Adams ingredients. I mean, it, the same, I'm sure the same rough 
idea in terms of malt and hops. Like that, I don't think they're using the same special blend, but they're I'd, probably I'd, using you know, two-row or six-row malt. I would malt. really... No, I would really hate to say they made do with what was already in the warehouse. I mean, I would. they went through the effort of making the labels. The bottle doesn't have the Sam Adams embossing, so they got normal bottles. You know, they probably got the ingredients. I'm sure they got as, as close to, to do as they wanted to. But, for example, the yeast, I'm, I'm almost certain it's not the same yeast. It's probably a Sam Adams yeast. Uh, the, the hops... Are probably a different type of of. I, I'd hate to speculate that. I'd hate to speculate that they use the same amount of yeast. Same amount of all kinds of yeasts these days. If they wanted, so again, it's not like he, you know, most brewers who started in the late eighties, nineties, you know, they got yeasts that were more or less from the Sierra Nevada guys, right? The right. Chico yeast, you know, the Chico yeast got everywhere. There was no Chico yeast when this guy started. So yeah, who knows what kind of he might have got yeast? You know, I've heard stories about. Back when you couldn't get yeast, about homebrewers getting yeast smuggled out of the big breweries. You know, you get in the breweries lager yeast and things like that. Um, so it could have been a story kind of like that. You know, I would, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'd be careful what you're saying about speculating that they're using Sam Adams stuff. Well, I'm, I'm pointing out this is all speculation. As long, I figure it's okay for me to, to say it as long as I say this is all speculation. This is what I imagine they had to go through because... Yeah. Pulling out all that information, you know, getting the, the the grains the same way they were 30 years ago, getting the hops the same way they were 30 years ago. I mean, people use different cultivation methods, there's different sure. types of grains out but, there. But, you know, this isn't completely, you know, um, archaeology, right? Jack's still there. Jack yes. was on hand. Jack probably, I'm ho- again, now I'm going to speculate. Hopefully Jack tasted the output and said, yeah, that's right. That's that's what New Albion was, right? And... Who knows? But let's talk about the beer in the glass because I think we filled the show with enough speculation to last a couple weeks. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to stick my nose in here and tell you what I smell. So I'm not smelling a ton of hops. I'm not really smelling much hops at all. It has a little bit of um, a, a little bit of DMSE or corny smell to it. It, it smells kind of like a a Dortmunder or something like that. You know, it smells more German than American ale. Yeah, second second sniff, I'm getting, I'm, going, I'm really going the same direction there. Kind of grainy. There's a little bit of... A little bit of spent grain. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't have much else to add. I, I'm really thinking it really smells like you know some Dortmunders that I've had. Again, or like that. an early style beer. This is before craft beers were even you know trying to do something majorly mm-hmm. aromatic. They're just he just wanted to make something that was different. I wonder if they did use six row. I mean, I wonder if like two row malt was like too hard to get. I wonder if they used because it does have. Flavors that come from some regional breweries, like a like a Iron City or a Straub or something yeah. like that. So I'm wondering if they did use six row malt in this beer. I wonder if Jack had to use six row back in 1976 because it kind of tastes that way. It it has a sweeter upfront mm-hmm. you know kick. It has a um yeah of of like Jeff said, kind of reminiscent of of, of a cheaper lager that would use a six row. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that would make sense at the time because he was running a very small brewery and he more speculation. I did it too, but yeah, more speculation. Sweet. Uh, I've heard, you know, stories about New Albion going way back, you know, and, you know, using dairy equipment, you know, needed stainless steel. There was no one making small brewery equipment mm-hmm. anywhere in the world, really. So he was using a lot of dairy equipment and his malt mill was fabricated by hand, you know, things like that. It really, really MacGyver stuff to open a brewery, to be the first guy opening a brewery. There's not much help, you know, and again, like, you know, back in the, that era, it's not like the big brewers wanted to give you their yeast. You know? Right. So there's like, you'd have to almost befriend someone who worked at the brewery, like a cellarman, right? At the bar. And ask them to smuggle you out a thermos full of yeast or something like that. Not particularly high uh, in terms of, you know, hoppiness. It, 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 <laughs> hoppiness is much more muted in flavor of, of the malt here. Yeah, it's not uh, um, hoppy. I mean, for our palates, for today's palate, it's not hoppy at all. Yeah. Buttery a little bit, so maybe there's... Um... Hmm. It's not, not getting... quite butterscotch. Yeah, I'm not getting... I mean, I'm getting some some, some DMSy DMS. type flavors, yeah. yeah. Slightly, slightly towards corn, a little bit of, of a, a little bit of cooked vegetable, mm-hmm. but the 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 butterscotch. If you get like a strong butterscotch, that usually comes from um, help me out here, diacetyl, diacetyl, and not. But there's something vaguely creamy mm-hmm. there, maybe sort of cream ale like. Yeah. Uh, to me, I'm, I keep going back to Dortmunder or, you know, even, no, yeah, not so much a Hellas. I, I just think this is a lot like a Dortmunder. And you just have to have your expectations right going in to get this because this is a good summertime drinker, I think. You know, the way, the way it's coming across for me. Yeah, I'll say lawnmower beer. You know, it's, it's just refreshing. It's not something that I think you want to sit there and ponder. I mean, the first time. Go ahead and ponder it the first time, mm-hmm. but you know it's not something you're going to sit back and sip and enjoy. I think it's more of a it's more of a drinker. Yeah, I just recently watched a movie uh, called the Abominate the Abominable Doctor Fibes. It's made in 1971. Vincent Price. Uh, it was actually a, a sort of like, there are lots of horror movies today that take from that movie. Okay. Saw is essentially the amount of Dr. Fives in okay. a way. So it, it was weird to watch, you know, this old movie that obviously was doing some old things and, and weird things and they were experimenting and, and, and it didn't all work. And it was, it was there was clashes in tone sometimes. There's also this, these odd things that you wouldn't expect in today's movies. And I think it's somewhat comparable to this beer. This is trying to do something different than the Budweiser beer. Mm-hmm. It keeps some things that Budweiser does, um, sort of a Christmas, a, a crispness, and easy, easy drinkability. Adds a little bit of hop, just a bit more. Yeah, you know, there's more, there's more distinct flavors here going on here than a Budweiser. But when you think of it as almost a template that all other that all these other beers built up upon mm-hmm. then it becomes a more interesting beer like i don't know if dr fives on its own was that great a movie right when you compare it to the stuff that came after 
You're like, oh, oh. I see how that invented things. Sure. Right. You know, another thing I'm wondering about is going back to the era. You know, they say on the label. Now, the neck label, you know, is a little bit of marketing speak here. It says, you know, his original pale ale with its distinct American hop character. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that's my first thought. It doesn't distinct American hop character. You think citra. You think cascades or yes. something. But, you know, this could conceivably be before cascades. Mm-hmm. Right? This could be when there's no American. This could be when American hops were magnum, you know, disgusting, bittering hops. And if you use them in aroma, they're weird. So, so maybe. I mean, I'm getting mostly centennial from here. Good for you. <laughs> you know, I'm, if anything, there's a little bit of a spicy type hop in there. I'm not getting anything that's. Yeah, there could be a zots in there too. Well, they'd say they're American hops, but you know, maybe it could be American grown yeah, zots. Yeah, I just I wish I had more info. I wish I had. Maybe we need to get somebody on the phone. <laughs> if we had planned ahead, we would have Jim Cook and Jack McCullough on the phone right now, <laughs> and we wouldn't have all the speculation. But you know, it is what it is. I like this. It's um, don't expect, you know, to be your the, world's not going to be overturned by this beer. Yeah, and don't expect the first pale ale to be the best pale ale type thing. It's it again like your horror movie analogy, right? You you taste this and you can see how craft beer grew up from this point in type thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah, it's not a Fuller's ESB. It's not. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this is the this is the archetypal standard. Mm-hmm. This, it's more this is this is the embryo that produced what we have today. It produces things like this weirdo thing with a psychedelic label from Magic Hats. You know those weirdos up in Vermont. This is Pistol. This is a beer with dandelions in it. Mm. Okay, so they use Apollo and Northern Brewer hops. Excuse me. A California ale yeast malted with two-row, acidulated, and flaked oats. Uh, dry hot with Northern Brewer and Cascade, and it uses as an additive dandelion leaves. Leaves? Dandelion leaves. The green leaves, or are they talking about the flower part? It says leaves. <laughs> okay. I wonder if... Uh, we... yeah. yeah. You think it would say petals. Because, like, dandelion wine comes from the petals. So it's going to taste like a salad? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know what dandelion leaves taste. I've, I've heard of using dandelion greens in in food. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't say greens. It just say mm-hmm. leaves. Right. Um, so, botanically, are petals leaves? I don't, no, they're not. Because they don't do photosynthesis. They would not be leaves. Right. Okay, we got a neck label here. Some info. Let's see the ancient ritual. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Time honored ingredients. Blah blah blah. It's weird because it says pistol. Stop and smell the petals, but the additives are dandelion leaves. Maybe. Okay, let's just maybe say there might be an error in the. It, yeah, there may be an error somewhere on here. Similar color going on. Although de- definitely a lot more cloudy, there's uh, oh, oh oh oh. So here's the important part: there is a performance in every bottle. 
I'm so, watching so it. I'm going to put this down. Because if you look at it, there's lots of stuff suspended in it. I'm waiting for a show to start. It's a synchronized swimming show. Oh, Everything okay. is sort of just suspended. It, it's, it's roughly the same color as the new Albion, but it, with Ooh. all these suspended stuff, it, it makes it slightly darker. It has a neat aroma on it. It's uh, almost no head. Aroma is very biscuity. Malty. Smells really good. A little bit of molasses. Now it's golden, so it's not like a porter with mm-hmm. molasses, but it has a bit of like a, a light molasses aroma on it. Uh, 20 IBUs, SRM, 3, 4.5% alcohol by volume. Basically maybe, a sessionable. Maybe a touch of buckwheat in the aroma, too. It's hard to say. Oh, I found a great pairing. I bought some buckwheat honey last year. Mm-hmm. Just, just it, it's like a dark brown honey. It's and it, it has a, it tastes like buckwheat. Put buckwheat honey on vanilla ice cream, and the ice cream and the weird flavor of buckwheat kind of like go together. It calms down the sweetness of the ice cream, and it, mm-hmm. it's it's a really neat pairing. Maybe lots of honeys go great with the ice cream, but for some reason I'm like, oh wow, I think I just found something new and fun. Well, okay. The maltiness carries through. There's a little more bitterness, though. So maybe it is the dandelion leaves or something. But at first, you know, it's more biscuity. It's it's a touch of molasses again. And then um, a little bit bitter in the aftertaste, but not hoppy bitter. It was kind of a, yeah, almost like a salad, like an arugula or something bitter, right? Celery, celery-ish. I thought it was cute how they called the beer pistol because you know the middle or the flower or not the the the, the things the the pollen on it or the pistols right and the stamens in the center, but if they just use the leaves, there's no flowers in here, so there's no pistols in here. So <laughs> what the heck, Magic Hat, get your marketing department under control. You know, I heard someone ask, I forget, I think it was during last week. I heard someone ask the question that wasn't answered because uh, I didn't know the answer. Why is it that the beer head is always lighter than the beer when it's made of the same stuff. Um, so I looked up to the answer. Okay. It's a phenomenon called uh, my or me scattering. It has to do with with instance of reflection. So the idea is that what you have is this sort of these bubbles on top and the liquid on the bottom. The, the light that goes through doesn't go through the bubbles. It has to go through all of this drink to get through you to the end. So it has, so then it gets attenuated slightly mm-hmm. differently turns okay. that color. The light in the bubbles only has to go through the bubble and a, a good portion of that actually gets reflected back to you. So the white light or whatever color mm-hmm. gets, a lot of it gets reflected right back to you. So that's why the head is always a lot brighter or a lot less, you know, a lot lighter in color than the liquid below. Fancy. How about in space? Where the bubbles don't rise to the top. <laughs> so what do you got? It's 
It it tastes kind of like a a slightly more malty blonde ale. Uh, it has with with a, with a slight kind of um, a, 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 a slight bitterness. It's actually the more that I think about it, the more it's reminding me of Brussels sprouts. Okay. Um, and a little bit of maybe a spicy hop, but Apollo Northern Brewer. Not your most spicy of hops. Yeah. I don't know. I'm enjoying this. I like that how it's a big malty beer. Yeah. A lot of biscuit, that molasses. Yeah. I hate to repeat myself, but there's not really much else being divulged in the uh, tastings here. They say there was a story or a party in every bottle? A performance. performance. As performances go, it's a pretty laid back and... uh, Sort of a, a background Mozart playing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that just going on in the background. <laughs> Is that Mozart? <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, let's see if I can pull anything else out of this beer. Hmm. I like it. But there's nothing distinctly flowery about it, you know? I was expecting something... Yeah, I guess you're, you're expecting... I was, like, oh. a, I was actually expecting something not as good, but more, hey, there's dandelions. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's what I was expecting. So <laughs> I don't know what that means. It tastes better than I thought it would be, but it doesn't have the flowers I thought it would have. So what do you, what does that say about about the... Okay, <laughs> this, is, this is a weird question to go from there, right? But what, is, what does that say, the fact that they made... A, a relatively big deal. I mean, you know, advertising everything about making a dandelion beer, but then it did not. It is not a dandelion beer. It has to be mm-hmm. that, that you know has vague dandelion hints. What does that say about what the brewer wants to do and what the brew industry is going where they are right now? It's hard to say. I, I think a dandelion beer is a tough sell. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, I'm not sure. The, the... If a dandelion beer is such a tough sell, then why are they being very upfront with the fact that it's a dandelion beer? I I, I don't I don't know, <laughs> but I think it's I, I would I would imagine it's a tough sell because I think a lot of people are think, oh that might not be very good, you know. Like I said, the beer overall is better than I thought it would be, but it also doesn't have as much dandelion as I thought it would be. Um, What's that say about the industry? Or wait, the first part of the question: the brewers. Yeah, what is it about, about the brewer intent? I don't think it's your. See, my my question is okay. So they, they here put comes out, more massive speculation. Who knows what the brewer wanted to do, right? It, well, yeah, we don't have all the information, so let's let, let's use our knowledge and and our ideas and see what we can come up with as a, as a possibility. This is yes, it's all speculation. The title of this show is going to be two more on speculating. The only thing that wasn't speculation so far has been me talking about the my scattering. <laughs> well, I'd like to think that my talking about uh, biscuits and molasses wasn't speculation. How do you know what other people taste, man? Well, we've been doing that for that's our full time <laughs> job here, practically. No, I think that it's. I think it's it's a testament to where beer is now that you can put out a dandelion ale that doesn't taste like dandelions. You can say we've put dandelions in here and have it be, you know, moderately apparent, but not a huge thing. Um, you have it be something unique and yet it, you don't have to also make it something overpowering. I mean, this is, this is their mm-hmm. spring seasonal. This is, 
Mm-hmm. They're putting this out as their, you know, their spring offering. So they don't want it to be, oh, this is a one-time beer that that is that's basically a dandelion in a bottle. Right. It's not a Camp Creek chili beer. You know, <laughs> there's a dandelion in every single bottle. <laughs> but there's there's something too. I think the the idea that that beer. It, Everyone's trying to find what the new things are. Everyone's trying to expand beyond what they're used to doing. And that means Ryan Heinzigboot has long since been chucked mm-hmm. out the window. And people are just saying, what can we do to make new interesting things? Right. No, I, I think I think you're right. Um, I, don't, I, I don't really have a profound point to make. Uh they made a good beer. I like your point about how they can make a beer with dandelions and not make it, not make it like that brownie beer <laughs> you have yeah. in the fridge, you know, or the pizza beer, you know. It's 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 delicately dandelion, if dandelion at all. Um, like I said, if if they use the leaves and we were tasting, you know, a more salady side of it, you know, which is that that's that's a lot different than what people would expect. You like when I bought the. Bought this for beer club, so I bought a case of it. Everyone got a bottle or so, and um, you know I was kind of expecting something very light, um, floral in the aroma, floral, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit floral in the flavor, but I wasn't expecting much malt. Expecting you know I was expecting something very light, showcasing the floralness of the dandelions, and and this comes out with a big malt backbone. And and it was enjoyable. It was pretty enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Did I say I enjoyed it? I think I said I enjoyed it. Did you did you like it? I did. I did. And but I, did you enjoy it? I did. Yes, I enjoyed okay. it. All right, back to Samuel Adams. They make a whip beer now. Another whip beer. This one's called the White Lantern. White Lantern. Okay. If Samuel Adams was a superhero, he'd be the White Lantern. <laughs> Malted with spalt, spalter, noble hop. Spalt, spalter. That's what it was. I think we've seen that one before. Uh, they're, they use a they're Sam Adams two-row malt, pale malt blend. Wheat and Ida Pills malt. Yeast with the top fermenting ale yeast. SRM 10s. Special ingredients. Tangerine and orange peel. Grains of paradise and coriander. They love their grains of paradise. <laughs> Tangerine and orange peel. Tangerine peel. So I got this for a couple reasons. We just had Sam Adams Christmas White, mm-hmm. you know, which was a whip beer with whip beer with nutmeg. Mm-hmm. The summer ale is out right now, which is a wheat beer with grains of paradise and I think orange peel. You know, um, they have lots of varieties of whip beer. Yeah, and I got this because I just. Like, let's see what they're doing now. Because remember, we're talking about Sam Adams, who's putting out like forty different beers a year. Yeah, you know, they're insane. But their uh, sales have decreased year over year this past quarter. It, to be honest, I'm not surprised. Especially when I go to uh, the bottle shop, which is actually it, it's inside of a giant eagle, but it's mm-hmm. a huge bottle shop. The one I go to, and I'm surrounded by all types of beer. You should have seen how many Ama gangs were there. Uh-huh. And that's why I was sort of expecting to find the Game of Thrones beer. I didn't find it there. I wanted to. I want to try the uh, the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. Iron Throne. Uh, I didn't finish this. This is five point five percent alcohol by volume. Ten IBUs. 
173 calories per serving. So split that in two and you have what we have. Yeah, I can't find the sales report real quick. I saw a quick blurb on it about how um, it was on a, a good beer blog, Alan McLeod's blog. So you can go check that out about Sam Adams and their sales decrease. I guess uh, Boston Lager was weak. And, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, there's this whole, did they cannibalize their, their flagship by doing all the other beers? Probably didn't, they probably didn't lose Boston Lager sales to other, some of them, but, you know, was that the significant part of the... I think that it used to be, and it was for a long time, the case that you could get Boston Lager in lots of places where you couldn't get anything mm-hmm. else. Right, and now there's more competition. And that's not the case anymore. And I think that's also why you see Sam Adams, you know, Jim Cook several years ago saying that he doesn't find IPAs interesting, putting out IPAs and double IPAs and all this other stuff. Four IPAs at, yeah. four IPAs at once, yeah. I mean, there's two at the beer distributor. A lot of 248s out now, and Whitewater's still out there, you know. There's... You know. They have their their barrel room collection series, but they have that black IPA. I mean, there's there's lots of lots of stuff going on. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the computer trying to look up that sales report because that just makes for wonderful radio. Well, speaking of so. sales reports, we should do our little commercial. Okay, let's do that. So we are trying to make some money on this podcast. Not not make money like profits. No, we're just trying to get some cash to uh, cover some events and whatnot. We're going to the Saver. We're going to the Great American Beer Fest. And there's a couple easy ways you can help us. If you shop on Amazon, remember to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And that'll redirect you to Amazon with all the referral magic put right into the website. And it doesn't cost you a thing, but it gives us a little bit extra. Yep. And we don't know what you bought. Well, no. We, we don't know. We don't know who bought what. <laughs> We do have a lot of fun on the post show talking about Amazon Anonymous. There are other things. If you just want to give us cold, hard cash, we have a PayPal link on our website. You can go to the Donate tab at the top of the website, and you can give us anything you want. You can give us a one-time donation. You can do a subscription, or as NPR would call it, a sustaining membership, where you can do as little as $12 a year. See, they ask for like 20 bucks a month. Yeah. We're only asking for 12 bucks a year. Well, if we get enough people doing it, then we'll, we'll make some tote bags. Tote bags. Yes. Yes, we ask for a lot less than an NPR. Um, that's it. Bluehost, go to our website if you're looking for website hosting. We've got some Bluehost stuff on there. And they're our preferred web host. Midwest Brewing Supplies? Sure. Back to the beer. Okay. Mm. It smells nice. smells a uh, nice citrus. Uh, Did we talk about the color? Mm-hmm. It comes out orangey and cloudy, as a whipper should be. It's a little darker than a white beer. You know, it's golden orange, but it's still nice and cloudy. Hmm. After that last one, the aroma is more closed off here. Let me see if I can get in there and smell it. I definitely smell the citrus aromas. I'm not... I'm smelling coriander. Not picking too much up on the malt, but this is not a, a... a beer that's going to try to highlight its malt. So I wonder, so what I'm curious about going into this, and this is what I'm going to be trying to figure out with my tongue, tangerine peel, you know, and what is tangerine peel going to be different from orange peel, which this also has, right? Right, So that's what I'm going to be trying to figure out. I've had tangerines. Can't say I've ever had tangerine peel or, you know, zested tangerines, so... It'll be interesting to see if I can... Well, so how would you qualify tangerine versus an orange? A tangerine is sort of a... It's a sweeter, 
easier yeah. to peel smaller orange, right? It's a cross between an orange and something, right? It's... You're thinking of clementine, I think, aren't you? Or is it a nectarine? Is it... Nectarine. So tangerine, I think... Now, I can't say I've had one recently. Mm. Greg's getting on Wikipedia to see what the the uh, lineage of the tangerine is. I, I I think it is. It's it's sweeter. It's less citric than an orange. It's closely related to the mandarin orange, so it's not a crab. Okay. It may be named a subspecies. So, <laughs> so it's the same thing. Just marketing speak at that point, I guess, huh? A popular alternative to tangerines are clementines, as you mentioned. Okay. Which are sometimes called seedless tangerines, and they're also a variant of the mandarin orange. So, it's just two different types of orange, really. Okay. However, when you take a sip, it doesn't taste like two different kinds of... I mean, it doesn't taste like your average whip beer. There's something different there. Let's try to find some words. Words, words. Use your words. Well, oh, the grains of paradise are in here too. That's mm-hmm. what I'm tasting. Yeah. Okay, because I'm like, what is that? What is that? And there it is. It's the alligator pepper. <laughs> mm. Did you ever? Uh, I don't think I ever got those for you. I'm gonna have to make it back down to the Pittsburgh Public Market. There's a bakery down there that makes cookies with uh-huh. rot, with coarse cracked grains of paradise on top. Mm. So almost like ginger snaps with coarse cracked grains of paradise. Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> And you get to really taste what alligator pepper tastes like, so which is not something you really can tell from Sam Adams Summer Ale and stuff like that. Words are failing me. The grains of paradise after the third sip are really dominating the flavor now. It's a, it's kind of. How would you describe that? So it's peppery. But not as spicy peppery. It's more lemony. I'm trying. To, I, I'm hesitant on lemony because it might be all that whip beer stuff that's making me think lemony. Yeah, try try to try to distinguish Grand Paradise themselves from how they're coming out in the beer, and I think the beer is making it taste lemony. But that's not yeah, Grains of Paradise when you eat, you know, like rough crack stuff like off those cookies. They're pretty spicy too. But they're not as hot as Pepper and Nigram. They're more of a... Oh, let's see. Where those ones can be like warming, you know, like hot, spicy. These are... Oh, what's a good word for that? <laughs> it's a tough one. Oh, I don't know how to describe that. Now, what's coming to mind weirdly is Clay. Clay Aiken? <sighs> I'm thinking like, like a clay. Someone, oven. someone, someone out there is laughing at the joke, which Greg missed. But <laughs> like, like a clay oven, okay, might impart some sort of minerally kind of quality to a bread. Hmm. Um, or the aroma of when you make like a clay something clay in in class and you kiln it. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the grains of paradise definitely. I think they're more powerful in this than they are in summer ale. Really powerful. I think the coriander is giving it a 
a little bit of a push. Oh, too. You think it's amplifying it, mm-hmm. turbocharging it? Because I think that the the bite is kind of similar. I got my my brother for some reason. I don't know if he bought. I guess he bought it. He had a case, whole case of the uh, Christmas white, yeah, white yeah. Christmas. And so, like, up until just like a couple weeks ago, every time I go to my parents' house, um, that was the beer, best beer in the fridge to drink. It's either that or Labatt Blue Light, you know, <laughs> and um, or Iron City. So I would drink that, but man, I really got sick of it. I could just imagine having it in my own house. These these two beers, I mean, I'm, that one and this one's reminding me a lot the same. These these whip beers from Sam Adams are not something I would want a six pack of, not something I would want a case of. Um, I just don't find them that drinkable. I don't find it as an easy drinker. I'm glad I had one. I'm glad I can really taste this alligator pepper, but I don't want a lot of it. Mm. I have an answer for you. I happened to switch to uh, a tab that I had an interview with, and it happened to be popped on um, a question about the yeast from the New Albion. Oh, okay. So uh, he originally bought it from one of the two or three brewing laboratories that existed at the time. Uh, he wanted to yell, yell yeast to clarify quickly, and it worked. And for the rebrew, they had they used the. The yeast itself that had been preserved by UC Davis. Oh. So it's the same yeast. That's fantastic. That's great info. Good digging, Greg. So so UC Davis, they, you know, they have a brewing school, one of the best brewing schools in the country. You got them. You got yes, um, Stiegelwitz. Or what am I saying? I'm saying that wrong. It's uh, Chicago. It's uh, Siegel? Hmm? See, I, I want to say Siegel, but... Part of me is like saying, no, dummy, that's not it. Um, anyway. Yeah, so I guess UC Davis was, you know, proving science back then and said, hey, we should uh, save some of this new Albion <laughs> for uh, the history books. That's awesome. The hops were Cascade. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, one little pinch. <laughs> oh, post-show. You got to try my hopped hop shoots. Yes. My pickled hopped hop shoots. Pickled, hop pickled hop shoots. Yeah, so last, you know, other years, not last year, but two years ago, I cut my hop shoots, and when they're young and tender, you can do stuff with them. So I pickled them, and they were okay. Um, used that apple cider vinegar and and whatnot and made them. And they, they were good on, on salads and things like that. So this year, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I want, What I wanted to do was I wanted to do... Like roasted candied hop shoots, mm-hmm. but I thought the the candied part would be too difficult. I wasn't sure how to do it. Best thing I could do was look up candied bacon and see how they did that with bacon. But I wasn't sure it was going to apply to a vegetable. I, it seemed like it would get overcooked at that point. Uh, so I, I stayed away from the candied hop shoots, even though I still want to try that if I can figure out how to do that. Um, but I'm like, let me pickle the hops again. But I'm going to hop. The pickle. So I didn't have any cider vinegar. I just had white, you know, white vinegar. So I used white vinegar, but to kind of make it not white vinegar, I added some. I had I had a bottle of hennepin that was not good for drinking, but good for cooking. It was a Heather bought it at, from uh, one for the road, and if you drank it, it was just slightly skunked. So I put that into the vinegar, 
to give it. So now I have a malt vinegar, more or less, you know, poor man's malt vinegar. And uh, I boiled it and I threw in just a little bit of hops, you know, a couple hops from almost, it's very cannibalistic because the hops were from the hop plants, you know, from previous harvests, right? So I just tossed in, you know, a little pinch of hops and boiled it for just a couple minutes because I wanted a lot of aroma and stuff like that, not so much bitterness. I wanted flavor and aroma. And then I, I poured the hot pickle over the shoots in the can, in the jar, and put them in the fridge. Um, I think I might have hopped it a little too much, but I'll let you taste it okay. and see what you think. Again, I have no recipe. You're not going to find a recipe for hopped hop shoots out there. You will see people pickling them. <laughs> but I wanted something a little bit different, and I think this was... It's promising. I might try to refine it next time. I think that the... Oh, I added some salt to the vinegar, too. So. I think the White Lantern has has an interesting... Um, it ends nice and fruity. Uh, you know, where, where it comes on a little spicy, it ends nice and fruity. So it has a nice finish. But, yeah, I've had better wit beers. Well, let's see if this one is. It's another wit beer. This is the Woody Creek White from Flying Dog. 4.8% alcohol by volume. This is their summer release, even though it's springtime. It's 17 IBUs. They use unmalted wheat, malted white wheat, flaked oats, and torrified wheat as their specialty malts. So that means they also have a barley... Uh, I have some barley in here too, so it's not just that. Those are just especially mm-hmm. ones. Uh, hopped with pearl or perlet and jagzots, uh, and the yeast is their El Diablo yeast. El Diablo. It says on the label here it has coriander and bitter, bitter orange peel. Woody Creek, I learned this uh, at Huff's with the flying dog thing. Woody Creek is the town outside of Denver where. Um, they started? No, no, what's his name? Gonzo Journalist. Oh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson lived, yes. All kinds of marketing speak on the label. Other than the orange peel and coriander part. 4.7, but I think Greg said that. A lot of coriander on the nose. A lot of wheat on the nose is what I'm smelling more than anything. You know, I smell this. It, it's this yeah, lemony, grassy. Yeah, you know, really, I smell all those specialty wheats, the unmalted wheat, torrified. I don't know, but you know, I smell it. I don't know. I, I smell wheat. Color is. These have all been pretty lightly colored, but this is the lightest color one of, of the night. I think it's a it's a pre creamy yellow. This one is it's interesting. It's if it wasn't for the um, particulate, it would be pretty clear, but it's cloudy because there's a lot of particulate floating in it. Not much head. I just spilled beer on my shorts. That's different. Spilling beer in my shorts? No, the, the flavor. No, you spill beer in your shorts all the time. Hmm. Oh, very spicy from the wheat and the hops. Yeah, but the wheat is spicy. I think you know this is. It's. It's neat. 
Maybe it's the Diablo, El Diablo, the yeast. <laughs> it's giving some phenols. I don't know, but that's neat. It's got the unmalted, the malted white, and the torrified wheat. Mm-hmm. So, the, like, basically every kind of wheat you can throw in there. Uh, yeah, it's got those pearly hops. And that might be giving it a bit of an extra kind of mm-hmm. kind of kick in a different direction, but it yeah it it's not your typical kind of fruity, um, fruity light. There is a, a kind of deep, strong spiciness to this. So torrified wheat is heat treated, kind of popped to break the cellular structure, allowing rapid hydration and allows malt enzymes to more completely attack the starches and protein. Torfite wheat can be used in place of raw wheat in Belgian-style wit beers. Also very good for adding body and head, especially to English ales. Since it is not malted, you can't sub it for malted wheat because... Uh, okay, that's a little bit redundant. Uh, it needs to be mashed with a diastatic malt in order to convert the starches. There's, there's a... Hmm. I was going to say something that that was expressive of, of what I was tasting, but didn't really wasn't going to come out well. So I'm trying to figure out how to how to phrase okay. it in a better way. Uh, you know, the main thing I'm tasting on this one is the the tanginess of the wheat, and I really it's really interesting. You don't get many beers that are like that, and it it is tangy. It's not so much lemony, but it's a tang. And then, you know, there are some hops. That pearly hops, you know, comes through towards the end. They really don't stand out. The wheat is really the, the king of the show here. Um, the coriander is lightly done. It's really not standing. It's, it's just, If anything, it's supporting. It does, you know, you're not mm-hmm. tasting coriander or the orange peel so much. You know, they're just supporting rolls. Hmm. This is uh, not your average wit beer. This is not Hogarden. No, this is not Hogarden. There, there's just yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not getting a, a better way to put it. <laughs> it sounds make it sounds good, but I I like this. But there's sort of a sandpaper effect in it as it as it washes over the tongue. It's it, it it's it's rough. It, it has a sort of a I I can see that there's there's it. two things going on. It's very highly carbonated, so it's very bright and bubbly. And then yeah, the wheat. I mean, it, wheat can be kind of scratchy, right? Mm-hmm. It, that tangy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scratchy. I, I see what you're saying. The problem with sandpaper is it might elude some kind of minerally type right, character too, right. some kind of silicates or something like sandy. So that's the only problem I have with the sandpaper. You know, scratchy's better than sandpaper. Scratchy is better than sandpaper, but it, it's just it, it it feels like it's it's rough on your tongue. It gives your mm-hmm. tongue a workout. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, but there's nothing too minerally about it. So that that's just one reason I would stay away from. Have you ever tasted sandpaper? <laughs> I, I don't. I want to say no, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> you just got to eat more things, man. <laughs> it's really rough on the teeth, though. It's been on It wears list. down the teeth yeah, really quick. I can imagine. Hmm. It's good. It's got... It's got a nice, different character to it. It, it. I think now I'm picking up the orange peel. I think now it's giving me a little bit more brightness or 
I don't know how to really, but it's just kind of, it's kind of boosting that wheat, maybe not making it so gritty as much. Maybe taking an adding a little little touch of bitterness to it or something. But still, yeah. coriander is really um hidden player in here. It's there. I can definitely take it in the aroma. Do you okay. want to end on that, or did you want to... I think we can wrap this up. Okay. So, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. How would you rank said beers? Hmm. That's that's kind of tough. Yeah. None of them were, like, stand out. Amazing. Um. Hmm. I know my last place beer, and that's going to be the White Lantern from Sam Adams. I just, I just don't find that drinkable. That that big malty wit beer, very much like the Christmas White White Christmas, yeah, it just doesn't work for me so well. And having one, you know, excuse me, I, I enjoyed tasting the Grains of Paradise used in this one, but I really don't want to go back to it. Um, number three will be, I'm going to have to put New Albion Ale. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to elevate it because it's the first. I liked it because it reminded me of a Dortmunder. You know, it had that DMS, it had tasted Germany. Yes, it's an ale, but it wasn't very estery. It wasn't, you know, all kinds of fruity, you know, like esters to it. Uh, I I liked it. I'm not disappointed that I have... 23 more bottles of it in the fridge it's summertime i will drink it i will and i'll be happy to hopefully hopefully jack mcculloch gets some remediation from this beer <laughs> and wasn't just you know free plane ticket to boston to brew it you know because that's that's another reason i bought it just to kind of i mean he's kind of like why we're doing this podcast you know so i bought a case of it <laughs> um so number two I like these both. I'm trying to figure out, like, I like them both for different reasons. I'm going to put the Woody Creek White number two. That's crazy. I'm putting a Magic Hat Dandelion beer number one, but that's what I'm doing. I'll tell you why in a second. Um, number two is the Woody Creek White. I, I liked it. That is a good whip beer. It's not your, it's not your grandfather's whip beer either, even though your grandfather probably couldn't find whip beer unless he lived in Belgium. Um... <laughs> I, I liked how the wheat was really front stage, and the wheat really was unique. I mean, it was th- brought flavors you normally don't get. I really like that. And then the pistol from Magic Hat. Uh, this is probably the first time I've ever ranked a Magic Hat beer number one. So see, I'm not prejudiced against them. I, I love the malt character on this beer. The biscuits, the molasses, the you know perhaps the buckwheat. You know, it's... I liked it, you know, it was good. It smelled wonderful, it tasted almost as good as it smelled, and um, to me, I was just to put that in front tonight. So, I uh, I'd normally go first to last. Uh, my number one is, is the Woody Creek. I, I thought it was a distinct and interesting new take on the Belgian style white, so I like... When people get you know when people get creative and play around with the style and and go in different places, I like the way it felt through that that whether you call it sandpaper or gritty or whatever it was that was cool that was interesting and different 
and I, I really like the the this just the the character of the beer. Everything about it, I kind of pretty much liked, enjoyed. The pistol beer number two, I also really enjoyed that a lot more than um, than than it would than I probably would have a a big dandelion smack in the face. Mm-hmm. I I like that they're using dandelions and or they're using you know different ingredients, but just to slightly augment the beer, not to turn it into. This is this particular beer. It's just mm-hmm. we're slightly automatically in it with something else to give it a particular taste, and it mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. It worked pretty well. Uh, I didn't dislike the White Lantern as much as you did. I didn't find it to be offensive or undrinkable or anything like that. I I thought it was decently drinkable and fine. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was. Sadly, a better beer than the New Albion. Albion. The New Albion was... It, it's wonderful as a historical artifact. But as a beer, compared to today, mm-hmm. it just can't hold up. Right. And that's and that's why it's ranked last. But if you see it on a shelf, I wouldn't say buy a case. <laughs> but yeah, have a glass of history. Sure. And if you have a case... Get it for summertime because I mean I think that's, that's the right. best time to take it. Yeah, yeah. Came out in January. That's a little early to be drinking New Albion, I think. <laughs> All right, that's Craft Beer Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to send us feedback, there are several ways you can do that. I am on Twitter at Jeff Bear. Over there is Greg at CBR Greg. That's right. We are on Facebook, the Craft Beer Radio. We are on Google Plus, Craft Beer Radio. We have email. Remember that email thing? Beer at craftbeerradio.com. No you're talking about. And, email. Uh, that's typically the way things work. Remember we used to have a telephone number you could call? Yeah, yeah there was some like answering service, right? Yeah, there was an answering service. You could call and leave a message, but we didn't get any calls for like six months, and they took our, we lost our number. It was so cool. We had a beer number. B-E-E-R was our number, and, and we lost it. Because you guys weren't <laughs> calling enough. That was like ages ago. All right. We're out. We'll see you next time.